0: Sixty degrees,
1: listeners. three hundred and sixty degrees, Ha three hundred and sixty
2: degrees, Welcome to Full Circle. Full Circle is a cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We broadcast from Huchen, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known as Berkeley, in the San Francisco East Bay of California. Tonight's show is a tribute to the International Day of Peace. We'll have a look at a peace protest from the 60s, a report back about the International Day of Peace celebration in Oakland, a look at the peace movements of Code Pink, and an interview with a Buddhist teacher whose work has led to a movement for him to be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. As many listeners know, the Pacifica Foundation was established in 1949 to support the novel idea of a listener-sponsored radio station whose ideals were to promote peace. We are still here to promote peace, and in order to continue that mission, we're asking for your financial support. The station needs you, and we hope you'll honor Full Circle with a donation during our show tonight. If you have computer access, the least complicated way to make a pledge is by going to kpfa.org and click on the Donate button. You can pledge securely at any time. If you prefer to make a pledge by phone, the pledge line phone number is 1-800-439-5732 or 1-800-HEY-KPFA. No donation is too small, and no donation would be too large. We know you've heard this before, but it is so, so true. Now, let's proceed with this show, dedicated to the International Day of Peace, as established by the United Nations. First, we'll hear from Pamela Lyons, one of many citizens who went to the street in the 1960s to protest the war in Vietnam. At the time, she was a student, and her boyfriend was a conscientious objector who tracked peace demonstrations happening in Northern California. After refusing to be inducted, he was arrested. The community stepped forward to support them and also helped to find an attorney. That person represented him pro bono, and his case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's hear from Pamela about one of their protest experiences. It's
3: 1968 in San Francisco. On Fell Street, a wide one-way boulevard has been blocked to vehicles. The groundswell of resistance has peaked, and Fell Street is packed with anti-war protesters marching towards the downtown area. We were packed tight with signs and chants. Even stoners knew to show up in protest. It was all hands on deck for this one. All along Fell Street, apartments have all begun to play the same song by Country Joe and the Fish. Well, come on, all of you big strong men. Uncle Sam need your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. One, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. We had gained momentum as we marched down Fell Street towards the Financial District. There, we were met with a line of cops in riot gear with batons and shields. The coppers, pigs we called them then, marched forward into the first line of protesters, pushing us back and hitting us hard. It became chaos, and once hit on the head, I lost track of the events. They couldn't put everyone in vans, but they could get the first few in the march loaded up and booked. The protesters didn't give up, and eventually, with the TV coverage of Vietnam, the senseless war came to an end. The Civil Rights Movement and the Peace Movement in the 1960s went hand in hand. Protesting Vietnam was the watchword for the 60s. Now the Black Lives Matter and domestic violence is the focus. We are protesting the threats to democracy itself, threats to lives that have been marginalized. Young people are protesting for climate change, for our rights to vote, and equality. This is people, I don't know how you expect to ever
4: stop the war if you can't sing any better than that. There's about 300,000 out there. I want you to start singing. Come on. And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't
3: ask now, don't give a damn, the next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven, open up early days. Well, I ain't more time to wonder why we all going to die. Now come on, mothers, about the land, Pack your boys off to Vietnam. Come on, fathers, don't hesitate, and send your songs off before it's too late one on on All right One, two, three
2: Thank you, Pamela, for that look back at one of the many quests for peace held by Californians. Our listeners will be happy to know that Pamela and friend didn't need to seek refuge in Canada because he won his conscientious objector case. The International Day of Peace was established by the United Nations in 1981. This year's Oakland Day of Peace took place on September 21st, and this year's theme was In Racism build peace. Apprentice Nomi Windmaker went to the commemoration at Chabot Regional Park, where she talks with a couple of the youth leaders from the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center in Oakland.
5: The MLK Freedom Center in Oakland was founded by community organizers to promote Dr. King's principles and to uplift and empower families and youth into civic engagement and nonviolence. And today I have the privilege of interviewing two very powerful young folks who've been doing extraordinary work at the MLK Freedom Center.
6: Hello, my name is Jennifer Hernandez. I'm 17 years old and I am part of the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center. So what do you do at the Martin Luther King
5: Jr. Freedom Center?
6: Well, at the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center right now, we are building and growing our cohorts right now. So we are getting more families and students involved. And the reason that is, is because we believe in how we're all interconnected. So the work that we do can't be done without a community behind us, without our elders, without those who are foot soldiers in the civil rights movement. And so right now we're connecting with our communities, connecting with our schools, with our parents and our own um, roots so that we're able to make change because you can't make change without having people who stand behind you and are able to say, you know, I believe in you, but also are a part of the movement that we're in right now of creating peace.
5: So sort of like a larger concept of the it takes a village. You're talking about intergenerational movement. Mm -hmm. What does the peace movement mean to you?
6: The peace movement means that we are given a choice every day to either live in this world um, together or separated Um, And the only way we can really attack systematic issues is if we have peace. And the only way that we can wake up feeling filled up, it isn't by buying more things, but it's by being able to recognize who our neighbors are and being able to know that we can share stories and we can eat together and we can interact with each other.
5: Absolutely. How have you changed since you've been part of this program?
6: The Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center really focuses on being less self-centered. The program really, the organization really allowed me to be able to see that I'm part of a whole and to recognize that when you're feeling down, the best way to do something about it or when you see a problem is to go and do something to help someone else. So when you're feeling sad, go up and help someone else Um, and being able to recognize that we need to have patience and we need to live non- violently and that non-violence doesn't just mean you don't go around and don't hit someone but non-violence is a lifestyle it's how you wake up it's how you vision success it's how you interact with the people around you um and it's how you share with others what you've learned and how you're willing to listen to others around you.
5: Powerful wisdom for such a young person. <laughs> I I feel very uh, blessed to be standing and talking to you. And what what did this day mean to you today to be here at the International Day of Peace? Is it your first time here? And, and how do you think that resonates with the work you're doing, but also just like reverberates around the global peace movement and, and the world in general, mm. and in particular around the issue with racism?
6: Mm, this is my second year here. Um, this the event today, the peace movement, being part of the a peace movement. It's kind of like all the move. It's all a, part of a, all the movements going on right now. It's just a dot and a bunch of other dots and it's being global and you can't live your life if you're not global you can't you can't make change if you don't recognize the bigger picture if you don't recognize what a world looks like where we all sit together where we all laugh together where we have education that actually educates us on how to be more um, civically involved how to be better students how to be better parents how to be a part of a community so today represents something bigger than ourselves it represents that we all need to come together there is people that believe in the same things we do and if we keep sticking to our phones and we aren't part of a community you won't recognize that there's so much diversity and so many people that relate to you and understand your own struggles because many times we're taught that our struggles and our pain is only our own pain but the reality is many other people can understand and feel the pain of we felt and especially especially those before us, because they struggle to fight for the rights that we have now. And so being here just shows that there's still elders fighting, there's still students fighting, that there's still work that needs to be done. And if we're not seeing it through the social media, we need to go out ourselves and be able to recognize that there's issues here, but we can do something about it with our voice and with being involved. So it sounds very empowering.
5: Very and empowering. you're also, you it sounds like to me, you're also looking at the intersectionality of it all. So how would a young person that may want to get involved with Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center, how can they go about trying to connect?
6: Yeah, so our website is www.mlkfreedomcenter.org. There's contact information on there. You can contact any of our staff members and um, say that you're interested and you can come be a part of the work that we're doing there's never there's always more than enough room for everybody because the work that we're doing involves and it takes everybody so
5: that's right thank you so much really good talking <laughs> to you and thank you for all the work you're doing
6: yeah thank you so much it's, you know today was very meaningful and i say today is a part of you know the work that we're going to be doing so it's inspiring to be here and i say we've got to keep working and need to get up every day and strive for the bigger vision that we have
5: And now I'm going to speak with Angelina Thomas, a 17-year-old Berkeley High School student. Angelina, you belong to the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Center. How long have you been involved with this center, and what inspired you to do that?
7: Well, originally I was one of the founding members of a club at school called Gifted Girls of Color. Um, We provided a safe space for girls of color um pretty much over zoom since uh, we started it during the pandemic and then i was nominated by a administrator at berkeley high school to join the Freedom Center. So uh, that was back in November of 2020.
5: What do you do there? And why is it important in your life?
7: Well, we study uh Kingian non-violence. We hold Saturday poetry workshops every Saturday um, where we write, we read, we study poetry and then we write and deliver them to our classes every Saturday morning. We also have uh, different events like these that we go to. We have a summer six week civic engagement tour where we pretty much go around uh, California and uh, Washington state. And we meet with elected officials. We do a lot of studying of more nonviolence and uh, we definitely implement a lot of uh, King's words into our studies.
5: And this day, the International Day of Peace how does that resonate with you? Do you think it's symbolic, or do you think it's more than just symbolic, that it's actually possibility for change to have events like this?
7: There is definitely a possibility to have change with events like this. We are taught that children are our future, but when we are uh, presented with events like this, where children are and youth are able to get involved, um, that shows that we are not only the future, but we are the present, and we should continue to be involved in changing the world uh, during the time that we are here.
5: I absolutely agree. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for all the work you're doing.
7: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
5: Hi, this is Nomi Windmaker from KPFA First Voice Apprentice Program, and I'd like to take a moment to ask you to make a pledge to support the apprentice program at KPFA, This program has helped so many women and so many people of color to bridge the media divide and enter the field of community radio. As you may know, KPFA is the oldest listener-sponsored commercial-free community radio program in the country, and it deserves your support. Please make a generous donation today and help KPFA keep doing its good work. You can call 1-800-439-5732 or go to kpfa.org to make your donation today.
2: Yes, Nomi, this station, KPFA, the Pacifica flagship, was built on the idea that listeners would support media that was conscious and conscientious. On that note, let's return to the Bay Area International Peace Day event, which was covered by Nomi Windmaker.
5: And now back to this wonderful event celebrating the International Day of Peace at Lake Chabot in Oakland. This year's peace theme is to end racism and build peace.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, a year ago, His Holiness the Pope came to the United Nations to make an appeal for peace. This is what he said with a vow which must change the future history of the world. Never again war, war never again. Peace, it is peace which must guide the destiny of the people and of all mankind. Today, in commemoration of his visit, it is only fit and proper that the children of the United Nations School would come and toll the bell for peace. His Holiness the Pope also said, The real peril is in the man who has at hand ever more powerful instruments suited as much to destruction as to the highest conquest. It is up to us It is up to you, children to save mankind and to preserve peace in the world. I thank you.
5: What you just heard was a recording of the Japanese Peace Bell Ceremony that took place in 1966 at the United Nations Association in Japan. Just like the children representing those countries around the world who circled that peace bell that morning to ring it 56 years ago, there's another group of children surrounding a peace pole today to celebrate the United Nations International Day of Peace at Lake Chabot in Oakland. And as these children and youth surround the 12-foot-tall peace pole containing the word peace... Written in 31 languages, they make their pledges for peace.
6: We pledge to build a just, loving, compassionate, and inclusive world that embraces diversity, including age, race, gender, ethnicities, abilities, sexual orientation, religion, and political learning.
3: We pledge to see and respect each other as sisters and brothers. We welcome and value diverse cultures, faith traditions, and perspectives.
0: We pledge to reject violence, bullying, and racism, and we stand in support of anyone our communities being targeted.
8: We pledge to protect and heal our life-giving lands forests, rivers, oceans, wildlife, and habitats.
5: This is Nomi Windmaker from KPFA Apprenticeship Program. I'm here at Lake Chabot International Day of Peace. You just heard some students sharing their visions and their pledges for world peace. Now we'll listen to some of their speeches.
6: I want to welcome you guys a student from the Martin Luther King Junior Freedom Center. She's 15, she believes in discipline and hard work. So let's give it up for Isel Toyo. Time and
8: history have run their course. With much blood, sweat, and tears, through many movements and struggles, we find ourselves here in this moment. We, citizens of this globe, of this nation, and of the East Bay, are confronted with the T in the road that is urgent now more than ever. The increasingly relevant question is the same one that Dr. King left us with. Where do we go from here? Do we choose the road to chaos or to community? Do we choose to uplift and build upwards or erode ourselves? The first option is a continuation and worsening of the violence and oppression that we live currently constrained by, where the triplets of evil, racism, materialism, and militarism are the driving forces of society. That route is the ruthless and vicious cycle of capitalism that has young black and brown children pipelined into the military, prison, and graveyards as tools to generate more capital. Taxpayer money fueling warfare abroad and at home while many professional politicians fool the people to uphold their positions is what that route looks like. The other path towards community, towards a more peaceful and just world, a world where we are not disempowered simply by the basis of our identities and culture but one where we appreciate and learn from them all, like we do today. A world where democracy is not a travesty and a myth, but the actual reality, and all people are represented honestly. This world that we dream of today, and that millions of people have dreamt of before us, cannot be built overnight. There are infinite checkpoints before we reach our destination. Square wheels will not move us anywhere. Triangular wheels will delay the process even more. Choosing the better path towards community, the harmonious and human one, prioritizing humanity and forming a whole out of individuals will replace those square wheels with circular ones, every action, and inaction takes one of these roads. And in every second we are adding or subtracting to the cause. Every smile and every greeting, every hand you offer, each time one culture merges with another, a step on the right path, in the right direction to community is taken. We cannot continue on our current trajectory of chaos as a people and expect to arrive upon better days. We must find within ourselves the road of peace, of respect and globality, and commit and dedicate ourselves to it. In every profession, this road calls us. In every moment, this path calls us. We must be conscious and ask ourselves, who will this benefit? Who might this disadvantage? Which road do I choose to take and live on? One united push will crumble borders bigotry and hate. Thank you.
6: Next student we have coming up here is a student with the Martin Luther King Junior Freedom Center. This student believes in hard work um, in inclusion and the ability and the power that we all hold within each other to make a change. So let's give it up for Angelina Thomas. We are living in
7: and breathing the air of the third decade in the 21st century. A time where black and brown children are learning to navigate the task of going to school every day. A time where equitable education is of urgent importance. As we dive into the ocean of unlearning the teachings of hate and individualism, we reach a field of anchors at the bottom. Anchors that are attached to the ankles of our black and brown children, crafted by the hands of a racist and corrupt system, and bounded by a thick metal chain. A metal chain that elongates with the power of proper and righteous education. We require that our educators become divers, dive deep enough into the ocean to see the field of anchors that have the intention of dragging our children down into the depths of the ocean where they will never get the chance to breathe the air of success and a fruitful life. But not too deep into the ocean that the chain is no longer visible. Not only do our educators need to acknowledge the school systems and the heavy anchors working to hold back the future generations of our black and brown communities, but our educational system must make a clear break from systemic racism. Enough so that our young people can walk, talk, and thrive in the air of a fruitful life. This is impossible when our school boards ban books and curriculum that teach the truthful version of history, not the ignorant version. It is impossible when our students of color are being pushed out of schools, and it is definitely impossible when student voices are being silenced. In a time where the future of our democracy is being threatened, the need for proper education is heightened. Without education, we have no understanding of ourselves and the world around us. A lack of understanding generates the emotions of fear and hate, which inevitably lead to war and violence. And with war and violence tainting our world, we cannot expect justice or peace. The world is our house, and the children of our world are all of our children. Our children request from us to have more humanity in our schools, for our schools to be a reflection of our world where black, brown, and white all serve the common purpose that all of our children benefit from the fruits of education. Our students have a vision where we will be taught by teachers who look like us. A vision where all colors of the world sit hand in hand learning the honest history despite the brutality and horror and where all of our children truly understand one another. We are living in and breathing the air of urgency. They are telling us now is the time to change. Thank you.
5: What an inspiring day it has been at the International Day of Peace at Lake Chabot. I think we are in good hands with these youth leaders The future already looks brighter. This is Nomi Windmaker from the First Voice Apprentice Program at KPFA.
1: This
2: was imagined, brought to us by the Playing for Social Change Foundation. They raise funds to provide music education around the world. You can see the faces of the singers by going to the YouTube link on our kpfaapprentice.org website. Before that, we heard from Nomi Windmaker at the Oakland International Peace Day celebration. This is KPFA 94.1 FM. We are full circle, and tonight's show is dedicated to the United Nations International Day of Peace. In 1949, Lou Hill founded this radio station that was built on the concept that people would support media that promoted peace. The Pacifica Foundation mission statement says, quote, In radio broadcasting operations, to engage in any activity that shall contribute to a lasting understanding between nations and between individuals of all nations, races, creeds, and colors, End quote. Since the First Voice Apprenticeship Program is rooted in the Pacifica mission, our goal is to build community by providing media access to and empowering BIPOC communities. We've been at that mission since 1985. And with the support of listeners, we'll continue. We're proud to say that many of our graduates have gone on to work in and to found community-based organizations, such as the Akanati Foundation, Farm Fresh Choice, Mamacita's Cafe, and the Oakland Health and Human Education Resource Center. First Voice graduate Noel Hanrahan is the founder and executive producer of the commentaries for Mumia Abu-Jamal. Additionally, at least four of our graduates who continued in media production have garnered a Peabody Award. First Voice graduates who are here at the Mothership include Diana Martinez, producer of Letters and Politics, and First Voice graduate Antonio Ortiz is currently KPFA's interim general manager. We believe our First Voice program is valuable, and since the majority of our participants are from working-class families, we appreciate the value of a hard-earned dollar. So whatever you can donate is a blessing. Also, everyone who donates receives the thank-you gift of KPFA's Fall Storytelling for Social Change package. Michelle Alexander talks about her classic book, The New Jim Crow*. Barbara Ehrenreich talks about women's leadership and her legacy of fighting back. And Salman Rusty speaks on his memoir, Joseph Anton, which tells of his life in exile as a result of his book, Satanic Verses. That's right, everyone who donates, no matter the size of the donation, can receive that thank you gift, along with the gratification of helping this station survive. You can donate online at kpfa.org or call 1-800-439-5732. When it comes to fighting for peace, few organizations do it like Code Pink. Founded in November of 2002 by peace activists Jody Avion and Medea Benjamin, Code Pink is a woman-led grassroots peace and social justice movement. Code Pink challenges governments to fund health care and education rather than wars and occupations. Code Pink also stands against the use of unmanned killing machines known as drones. Up next, Free Will and Franklin brings us these sounds of Code Pink in action on the streets. Code Pink.
7: Code Pink protester.
1: I want Kathy who do the spouse of many of many other public servants and intelligence professionals. Right. We'll children oh, okay. in oh. the
9: the And who else? Who
8: else?
2: Are your children
8: more important than the children of Pakistan and Yemen? Are they more important? Do your job. World peace
9: depends on it. We're making part of enemies.
3: Code pink. pink.
9: Peace
2: Group, Code Pink. Code Pink.
9: We are Code Pink. My name is Lydia Benjamin. We are here because on Human Rights Day, we were thinking, where should we go? And we started looking up who were the worst human rights abusers around the world. And we thought, should we go to the embassy of Saudi Arabia? Should we go to the embassy of Burma? Should we go to the embassy of Sudan? And we realized, no, we should go right here in front of the White House. Because as US citizens, it's our obligation ...to stop our government from being involved in torture and the abuses of human rights. Code Pink.
3: Code Pink. Code Pink?
9: Well, you know, you talk about conjuring up a
5: media event. Few groups do it as well as Code Pink.
9: Code Pink is an awesome grassroots women's peace organization. It's Halloween and this is the real house of horrors marine recruiting station action you see that we have made the house of horrors you can see people dressed as some of the horrors of war code pink
3: code pink code pink 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 pink
7: pink 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 pink
9: um, there are a lot of rude things about our policies. Speaking out is actually not rude, but it's the basis of a democratic society where people use their voices to try to make our country better and our policies I don't, I don't
6: think more in Americans line with the
5: would rule of law. Disagree with you.
3: And so they often get dismissed because they do the one thing in Washington that's unacceptable: they are rude to other people in Washington. But of course, in Washington, no one gives a damn about that. Obama administration has been using for the criteria of these assassin drones, these killing of American citizens, as well as Pakistanis, as Yemenis, as Somalis. And don't forget the Afghans. 400 drone attacks in Afghanistan last year alone.
5: The women's anti-war
9: group, Code Pink, So we feel that our country, from the White House to the Congress, has been involved in scandalous acts that has really marred the moral character of this nation. And we're here to say that we will dedicate ourselves on today, the International Human Rights Day, to devotion to the concept of human rights as declared by the United Nations and we are determined to keep on our struggle until our country becomes a country that upholds those basic values.
3: Yeah, I think it's working much more. Nobody else is doing anything. Nobody is doing anything. A small group of people can make the difference, and that's what we're really trying to do.
1: Code pink, 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 pink,
9: What about Asma Salam, age 9, killed by a drone strike in Yemen? What about Asadullah, 9 years old, killed by a drone strike in Afghanistan? What about Noor Mohammed, 17, killed by a drone strike in Yemen? What about Hoda Nasser, 5 years old? by a drone strike in Yemen. What about Amir Saeed, 15 years old, killed by a drone strike in Pakistan? What about Noor Aziz, 8 years old, killed by a drone strike in Pakistan?
2: Thank you, Franklin, for that information about Code Pink. The music you just heard was composed and performed by Lama Choyan Randrol, the subject of our next segment. As for Lama Choyan Randrol, I had the privilege of knowing him personally. I met him when I was a crew member for the show Oakland Is, which highlighted the movers and shakers primarily of African American descent who have an impact in Oakland and the Bay Area. After teaching for a while in Oakland, he went to India to work with those who are referred to as untouchables. Let's listen to part of an interview he had with Michael Lange about his work. The interview was recorded outside of Scott's Restaurant in downtown Oakland, so you'll hear some background sounds now and then coming from the restaurant.
0: We have with us Choyan Rangroll, who has been with us for a number of years. Uh, he now resides in Hawaii. And uh, we wanted to just get a little bit of uh, insight, because uh, he's been to India, and maybe talk a little bit about his world travels, all in the last, say, 30 days or so. So
1: Choyan, welcome to the show. Thanks again for having me.
0: Going to ask you about your travels. Uh, yeah. Just Can you give us a nutshell, a kind of a capsule of just the last, say, 30 days or so?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, about four years ago, I was asked to go to India to visit the Untouchables. Uh, a group of people, about 300 million people in India who are some considered to be the most oppressed people in the world. And uh, I was able to make that commitment then and I followed through just recently and so I've spent about a month in India teaching Buddhism in the untouchable community.
0: Now when you say untouchables and then you kind of say that these are marginalized or people that have been down. Out. How, how, does, how do you describe the untouchables?
1: Well, in America we have racism and we understand that some of our communities are divided and some even our own families are divided based on race. In India, instead of race, they have what they call caste. And caste is a role that you're assigned for life, for perpetuity, that you cannot get out of. So that means if your father was a street sweeper, you will be a street sweeper, your children will be a street sweeper, and your children's children will be street sweepers. And uh, so this caste system is a immovable uh, job assignment for the rest of your, not only your life, but the rest of your progeny's life.
0: Uh, How long has this caste system been in place?
1: Well, some people say about 3,000 years. And of course the caste system, for those at the top, the engineers, the educators, the Brahmin priests, uh, it works well because they have an opportunity to enjoy the fruits of modernity. But if you're born into lower castes, but there are some people in India who are born in the outside the caste, where you have no hope of ever having any kind of role in society other than, as I said, sweeping the street, removing excrement and all kinds of things like that, then that is oppression, particularly if you have no hope of ever getting out of it.
0: Why in the 21st century uh, has this not come to the public's attention and, and why is there no outcry in your in your opinion?
1: I think that just like we Americans don't go abroad and uh, share what, what democracy is in America, India also has a marketing program for their country that does not include the caste system and what happens to people there.
0: Well, how many many people are we talking about that are the untouchables
1: probably about two hundred eighty to three hundred million
0: that's as big as the whole united states
1: as many people in untouchability in india as there are people in the united states yes
0: one of the things that you did over the last thirty days is you contacted a number of of people here in the bay area what was your uh... intention when you say contacted some of us here in the bay area
1: well first let me say that the untouchables are Uh, have been converting to Buddhism for the last fifty years. So they invited me because I'm a Buddhist teacher because even though they're Buddhist they don't have teachers over there. Mm -hmm. My role was to go and to give them a sense of connection. Here here are people who are Mm -hmm. trying to work themselves out of what we would consider to be a Jim Crow situation that's been going on for three thousand years. and They're looking to the world for inspiration and they believe that the path that african-americans have taken from slavery to civil rights to freedom to president of the united states is a model that they can work with they have studied us very deeply they know about george washington thomas jefferson abraham lincoln the kennedys dr king malcolm x they know all these people they study the books but they've never actually talked to an african-american particularly someone from oakland and they also have there the Dalit Panthers, which they modeled after the Black Panther Party. Mm -hmm. So Oakland is a very important sign of hope for them. Yes, it's a beacon. They asked me to do a workshop, and I said, well, instead of me being over here by myself doing a workshop, why don't I hook you up on Skype and let you talk to some people from Oakland, people who who have been around it, seen it, know it, and you can just have a conversation with them and get beyond the books and and know that these are real people and uh, that they care. And once they really understand what's going on here, they may even be able to lend some support. And that's uh, why I call some of my friends, of course, uh, at Oakland IS because um, Oakland IS is a pivotal media opportunity in the, in, the, in the community that has covered all the stories of this uh, recent and past history. So to have people from Oakland IS talk to the untouchables of India was a bridge that I could make as a result of my Buddhist life and I did it.
0: One of the questions that the group who I had a chance to to speak to and and your question was very pointed around uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King so somehow the struggle is either similar or somehow they can take or extract but the equivalent of the Malcolm X or the Martin Luther King as an untouchable is who?
1: Well they have a gentleman whose name is Ambedkar, A-M-B-E-D-K-A-R, Ambedkar. And in 1956, he told the Untouchables that in order for you to get out of the caste system, which is basically part of the Hindu uh, religion, you must convert to Buddhism. And uh, he called a meeting, and when he did, 500,000 people showed up and converted to Buddhism in one day. I was
0: going to say, at one time? Yeah, at
1: one time. And then the next day, 200,000, and the next day, 300,000, and went on and on. Unfortunately, he died shortly thereafter. But the people have held his instruction to get themselves out of Hinduism into Buddhism until this day. And they're still to this day, on the same date that those people converted, a million people show up to convert every year. Mm -hmm. His contribution to their people is not only social justice, he gave them something much more deeper that that we can learn from. When he told people that needed to convert to Buddhism, he was ensuring that the children of the future would not have anger as a modality of social change, that they Mm -hmm. could change their situation without Mm -hmm. using anger as a tool because the vestige of anger, multi-generationally, in and of itself creates a problem in the youth.
0: My senses, I'm feeling, is that you see that change is on the horizon, that there is the possibility that change can come to the untouchables. Is that spirit, I mean, what is that that you believe? I mean, because this is bigger than you, and it's bigger than me, and is the time right also?
1: Well, just like the South Africans, or the people who are the victims of blood diamonds, the untouchables are people who are reaching out to the world. And I have not seen the world not respond to human deprivation in a way that was uplifting and cataclysmic to people who would try to keep that kind of system uh, intact. And so, yes, there's change afoot, and this particular interview is part of that change. We're talking about it. We're not we're not not knowing about it anymore. We see those people, we understand what's going on, and we would not want our mother, our daughter, our father, our brother, or our son, to go through what they go through.
0: The human condition around the world, I'm thinking of uh, Egypt, I'm thinking of Libya, I'm thinking of Bahrain, of Yemen. I mean, the, the time is now.
1: There is change in the air, but I think we have to be careful because there's change that has the agent of violence and anger which does create change, but it also has an aftermath that has to be dealt with. This change with the untouchables is a peaceful change. It's a smart and intelligent change, not only investing in change of today, but also trying to forestall some of the uh, unforeseen problems of the future when anger sets its seed in the hearts of your children.
0: You know, I'm reminded that uh, one thing that Malcolm X said, he says that if they step on a brother's foot in Nigeria, you should be yelling in Harlem, Um, meaning that there's a connectivity in the human family. And I'm thinking about the Oakland is family. What can they do to support this change?
1: I think anybody who lends their talents to creating a voice for the most oppressed people in the history of humanity, anything that you do is a contribution. I think, too, that raising awareness about things such as who is the Hindu community here in our country And just simply having dialogue with them about, you know, what do they feel about the caste system? Do they feel it's right? Do they think it should continue? Do they think that our money, our tax dollars, our purchases, our IT industry should be sending money back to support the oppression of people who deeply wish to get out? So on one level, this interview, as I said, and lending talents to continuing this dialogue and talking to our Hindu friends about what's going on in their country
0: there's an awareness factor that people had no idea. Now they're more aware and that there are things that we can do to protest, to stand up, to fight for what we believe in. And I want to ask you as a kind of a closing question, your work has been phenomenal over the last 10 years that we've known each other. Uh, What motivates you to do this kind of
1: work? I am a ghetto boy. I came from a, you know, a, a very difficult community, killing, shooting, drugs, and uh, you know I want people to know that you're not defined by where you come from. You're defined by where you're going, and you can live a life that is not. What you were born into and so I don't want to just talk about that I want to be a living example of it and that's just been my goal.
0: Now I know that you have to charge your batteries and get your rest Uh, where is your home now and how do you find solace and I guess that unknown that reservoir that allows you to get back up and put one foot in front of the other to get back out there in in the game of life.
1: I have invested deeply in making sure that the people close to me know that I love them Mm -hmm. and uh, When I get run down, all I have to do is sit still. And so much love comes back to me that I don't even have to worry about charging batteries. So I think that love, understanding what the, the reciprocity of love is, in an intimate way with the people that you're closest to is the way that I maintain myself.
0: I want to thank you for coming on the show. And let's continue this. Let's stay in touch. I know that you have some ideas of maybe getting a chance to go over there, maybe writing something, authentic work that may make a difference, may make a big change. So anything that you want to leave our audience to think about?
1: I want, on behalf of all of my friends in Mumbai, Pune, Aurangabad, and all the villages and towns in India that i visited. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to the Oakland IS crew. Thank you to Oakland, and uh, let's just keep moving forward doing what we do well.
2: Thank you, Lamarandrel, for all you do. For those who want to see the interview with Lamarandrel, there'll be a YouTube link posted on our KPFA Apprentice website. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. We believe that your investment in supporting the First Voice Apprenticeship Program here at KPFA helps further the values of the International Day of Peace, as well as the Pacific Commission. Please donate if and what you can. To donate online, go to kpfa.org, or to call in a pledge, dial 1-800-439-5732. We're the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I'm Ms. M., the training director. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And a shout-out to the members of Group 46 and 47. This is a reminder that we support the liberation from imprisonment of Leonard Peltier, Mumia Abu-Jamal, and all political prisoners. La Onda Bajita is next. Please stay tuned. Thank you.